Spinderella cut it up one time. Good evening and welcome to the Recollective Podcast. My name is Charlie Beale and as ever I'm joined in the studio by my very good friend, Mr. Tom Goodfellow. Welcome back everybody. We are here after a substantial pause and what better way to kick off by than by talking about uh, what do you think we're going to talk about? Pure unadulterated filth, sleeves and sex. That's right. Sleazy sex is what we're here to talk about. I'm sure you're all delighted to hear that. Uh, well, sorry, we're not going to talk about sex and sleazy sex that much. We're going to play music by people uh, talking about sex, and then we're going to talk about that. Do you think this is going to have the effect on the listeners of um, a young child realising that their parents have sex and thinking it's the most disgusting, awful thing that they've ever heard? No, I think they're going to be so aroused, they're all going to be, you know, mounting the nearest doorknob. But anyway, <laughs> uh, possibly. Yeah. So we should explain why we've had this hiatus since our last appearance. Um, I am afraid I, I must take the, the brunt of the responsibility. Um, I got a new dog. Which is unrelated to this week's topic, but... I was going to uh, play a Snoop track. Oh, yeah, well, that's... But then I actually, I realised whilst his songs, particularly those off the seminal 1994 album, Doggy Style, do fit quite nicely into the theme of this episode, some of them wouldn't pass the Me Too test. There are quite a lot of problematic songs we could have played, and some which perhaps we... They may not be unproblematic, but yeah, I think... uh, this is a fine balance. Our, de- our decision was not just to do songs about sex, which is a broad spectrum of music anyway, uh, but really to focus on sleazy sex. Now, we can interpret that in different ways, but it does put us in quite a dangerous territory that we've had to tread carefully across. It's perilous, but we're going to take you on that journey. So I think, um, yeah, our choices will reveal themselves. There's, there's a number of ways you can look at it. Songs that are directly sexual, um, some that um, have dirty lyrics, and so therefore appeal to that kind of like teenage risque nature that that uh, we once had and people still have today. And there's also songs that are just sort of, um, you know, just sonically quite, um, you know, they, they're evocative of a feeling of, you know, getting it on. Yes, absolutely. And I, I realise you haven't actually told me what the track order is or anything, so I don't know what, what song I'm playing first. So it's going to be a lot of surprises all around. But I would say that there's a number of things that we could have played that we didn't play. You've already mentioned one. Maybe we should air some of those now and get them out of our system. Because when I thought about sleaze and specifically like sleazy, sleazy sex songs, the things that sprung to mind were a lot of artists we well, we played a substantial number of times already. Roxy music, just yep. because they sound so goddamn sleazy, even though the album art cover is quite sleazy. It's really sleazy and, you know, not in the best me way, hashtag me too. Um, and then also, of course, um, the Rolling Stones have got some pretty sleazy numbers. I opted not to play one, but I'm going to refer to them uh, for one of my tracks. And 
Another obvious one that I'm not playing, partly because I think I played him in the last, well, certainly recent episodes, is a certain Frenchman who, yes. you know, clearly got a lot of sex, despite arguably being quite physically repulsive. <laughs> um, so, yeah, not yeah, on the list today. some artists who, and, and one of whom we will be playing this evening, who, who've got a bit, a bit of sex on the brain, really. Quite a lot of their songs return to a similar theme. Definitely. Um, and so, well, we won't discuss that now. In terms of the, which ones we'll be playing, um, I'll, be, I'll be kicking us off with my first choice because we're going to go chronologically. And then, okay. um, so we'll, we'll go in the order that you sent me your choices. Um, okay. But yours will be second on the list. Um, okay. One way you can uh, uh, kind of um, interpret this theme is double entendres and just, you know, when, when a song is saying one thing and clearly is about another. Uh, and, and I thought um, I'd play this track because it's from one of the progenitors of rock and roll. And it dates right back from uh, to 19, I think, 52. Um, and it's a rhythm and blues song by a gentleman by the name of... Um, Wynoni. Keep on churning till the butter comes. Keep on churning till the butter comes. Keep on pumping, make the butter flow. Wipe off the paddle and churn some more. Little boy blue, come blow your horn. Cows in the meadow, sheep's in the corn. Take the sheep, leave them be. Bring the finest brown cows straight to me. Keep on churning till the butter comes. Keep on churning till the butter comes. Keep on pumping, make the butter flow. Wipe off the battle and churn some more. Keep on churning till the butter comes. Keep on churning till the butter comes. Keep on pumping, make the butter flow. Wipe off the battle and churn some more. How now, brown cow, keep on eating hay. Go in your shed, be sure you're fed. Go in your shed, be sure you're fed. Daddy needs butter for his chalk and bread. Keep on churning till the butter comes. Keep on churning till the butter comes. Keep on pumping, make the butter flow. Wipe off the battle and churn some more. This is filthy. 1952. Colour me bad, ain't got nothing on this. <laughs> Tell me more. Well, this is um this is one in a number of his, his repertoire that has uh, a double entendre. His other songs include Lollipop Mama, I Like My Baby's Pudding, Sitting On It, <laughs> Sitting On It All The Time, uh, and Wasn't That Good. Um, so uh, he's actually a credible uh, artist, Wynoni Harris. Born in 1915, died in 1969. He's an American blues shouter and um, a rhythm and blues singer of, uh, you know, typically ribald lyrics and humorous R&B songs. 
Um, I thought it'd be a nice kind of like way of going to the beginning of these double entendre songs. Yes, I think um, certainly the role of innuendo and the double entendre is going to be quite central in this episode. But it's also quite interesting that uh, divide between the, the innuendo focused songs and they're just really blatant, <laughs> not going to bother with any of that. Just wham, bam, thank you, man. Get straight to the point with absolutely no subtlety. And there's a few Although of those Although there's not there a lot well. of subtlety no, around. There's no subtlety in that one. <laughs> That's true. Lyrics yeah. like, keep on churning till the butter comes, keep on pumping, make the butter flow. I think Wipe the reference off. to wiping off is also particularly um, unsubtle. Yeah, wipe off the pebbles um, and churn some more. And then if you didn't quite realise what it was about, he says, little boy blue, come blow your horn. Yes, which obviously clearly relevant to the act of making butter. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of mixed metaphors in there as well, and definitely not an accurate chronological process to be churning for the butter. And then what's the second line? Isn't the second line more? No, before that, keep on churning till the butter comes. Um, um, keep on pumping, make the butter flow. Uh, okay, I was thinking it was like a milking reference. I think you've got to get the milk before the butter. Anyway, um, what can I say? You can't have the meat without the gravy. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's no more need to comment on that song. Why don't we go to your first choice? Right, so this is actually one of the numbers that really doesn't even bother with uh, innuendo or double entendre. But I chose this for a number of reasons, partly because of the aforementioned Rolling Stones, um, <clears throat> who really uh, have a lot of really quite sexist and uh, this song in particular, also quite racist um, lyrics, even though they they sort of deny that. But um, sorry, not this song because I'm not playing it, but I was going to play a song called Some Girls. Uh, by the Stones, opening number to what is often considered their last great album, because I just think, to me, that song epitomises, like, sleaze. It's just like Mick Jagger just basically being really unpleasant about <laughs> women, but um, in various ways. And then I thought, no, even though I think it epitomises a sleazy sex song, uh, or certainly a sleazy song, let's not give them the airtime for that. And um, Marianne Faithful, who was at the receiving end of a lot of, <laughs> I imagine, Rolling Stones kind of uh, sexism and sleaze. Um, I discovered quite recently, because I was listening to her on a podcast being interviewed, her album Broken English from, is it 1981 or something? Do you know the album? No, I don't know. <clears throat> anyway, I, I mean, know. she's. it was a really critically acclaimed album after a whole period where she was like homeless and she was drug addled on the streets and everything went tits up for her. And then she had a comeback like 10 years later, still not that old, still probably in her thirties. <clears throat> and it's a really good album. And this is the last track on it. It's not the best track on the album, but it's, yeah, I mean, just stick it on. It's like sleazy sex told perhaps from the other way around.
goes on in this vein for quite a while. So this is, I think she co-wrote the song. It's actually in 1979, this album. And um, I, I shouldn't, it's not fair to link this particular song to the Rolling Stones as it was long after those days. But I think um, that's, it sounds sleazy. Obviously what she's describing is a sordid affair of an unfaithful lover. And you know, maybe we should acknowledge that side of the sleazy sex song because it also sounds really fucking sleazy. Yeah, the sound is sleazy. Um, it's not. It's not. It's an angry song that references sex, and and clearly there's a. She's gone through the Urban Dictionary um, and referenced quite a few of the the words you're not allowed to say, and and that sort of gives it a power because it's almost a, a shock value in, in her reaching for some of those words she uses, which which I think yes. gives that some some sort of power, doesn't it? Yeah, so do you think maybe we ought to have forewarned our listeners lest we put some of them off? Um, but uh, yeah, so it's not, it's not, uh, it's on the theme of sleazy sex rather than being about her having sex. But uh, I think, I don't know, I, I don't, this was quite a significant album at the time and I don't know how the song was received. I mean, I'm sure it was quite shocking, but also it shines a light on, I don't know, the nastier side of sleazy 70s sexist culture I suppose yeah I think it's nice though it's um it's a nice counterbalance because you know those those the brown sugars of this world uh, don't come without their consequences and it's quite nice to have someone with a powerful voice shouting back and uh, you know yeah. Saying, um, yeah um so there it is I don't I don't have much more to say about it but I just thought yeah, rather than playing a sleazy stone song, let's 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 look at, as you say, the kind of other other side of that. Um, someone who's been on the receiving end of, uh, I don't know, sleaze. <laughs> yeah, the, the the one 
way I thought about this program is, is are there any songs you could play that are genuinely erotic as songs? Um, and the first two of these are not in any way erotic. True. They don't make started. you feel um, like... Uh, and, and so I wonder if there's a kind of like sense in which the sleazy lyrics and sleazy, sleazy themes of songs are actually not central to the art of lovemaking. Well, I probably wouldn't put that on if I was trying to take someone to bed and, you know, <laughs> romance them. It's true. Or, or, the, or the other one about churning butter, to be fair. Uh, so we have started on a perhaps a rather... Well, Unless then, you but, happen to find yourself in a dairy in the south of the US in 1952. Yes, yes, perhaps. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think... We, if had we called this, I think there will be songs we play that, that do reference love and they're kind of a bit, uh, they're like raunchy and a bit sleazy, but also not necessarily separate from love. <laughs> uh, but we haven't really started with those. Yeah. So I'm going to do one which I think is actually probably in the realm of a love song, but it's more a reminiscence of an encounter. Um, well, we'll talk about it afterwards because it's it's quite nice in the general canon of rock and folk music um, and you'll know it. I remember you well in the Chelsea Hotel You were talking so brave and so sweet Giving me head on the unmade bed While the limousines wait in the street Those were the reasons that was New York We were running for the money and the flesh And that was called love For the workers in song Probably still is for those of them yeah, but you got away, didn't you, babe? You just turned your back on the crowd. You got away, I never once heard you say, I need you. I don't need you. I need you. I don't need you. And all of that jiving around. I remember you well in the Chelsea Hotel You were famous, your heart was a legend You told me again you preferred handsome men But for me you would make an exception And clenching your fist for the ones like us Who are oppressed by the figures of fixed yourself you said well never mind we are ugly but we have the music and then you got away didn't you baby you just turned your back on the crowd you got away I never once heard you say I need you I 
So that's Leonard Cohen with the Chelsea Hotel Number Two from 1974. Wow! Um, do you know the song? I don't. I don't even know that song. I don't think I've ever heard it. But my Leonard Cohen knowledge is is pretty weak. It's a weak spot. Um, it's great. infamous for that line. Um, you give me head on an unmade bed, which it's it's basically refers to a sexual encounter in in the notorious Chelsea Hotel, um, which in New York was probably the most famous sort of bohemian residence stroke hostelry. Sleazy. And reportedly the encounter was about an affair he had with Janis Joplin. Um, Really? So that's, that's who the songs sort of um, aimed at. And he, he sort of indiscreetly said it was about their brief relationship um, and mentioned it at gigs and stuff. And then when it was brought up in a, in an interview in 1994, about why he'd he'd chosen to say it was about Janis Joplin, um, he he said it was an indiscretion indiscretion for which I'm very sorry, and if there is some way of apologising to the ghost, I want to apologise now for having committed that indiscretion, because I think it's clearly very you know, open about an intimate moment, and yeah, it's it if it was kept anonymous, it would have probably been a bit more classy. Yes, I didn't even know all of that story. Yes, I, so she probably wasn't best impressed. Oh, hang on, but well, she'd already died by that point, had she? Well, no. So the the song was recorded. I mean, in not, not at the point when she gave him head. Sorry. I mean, when he released it, when he apologised, was in 1994. So by that time, Janis Joplin had passed. The song was written in 1974, so I don't know how much longer she managed to tread the earth after having given Leonard Cohen a blowjob. Blow I thought she was um, one of those people who died when she was 27. Am I making this up? I'm showing my ignorance now. Okay. Um, I know you're a stickler for the dates, so ah, can you just yeah, work sorry. out when Janis Joplin died and could it have been from um, ingesting... <laughs> she died in 1970. She died at age 27. She is in the 27 Club or whatever. Uh, she died in 1970. So, so this is interesting. So, so he she recorded was or wrote this. No, mm. no, no. He must have written it then after she died and then, and then sort of said because she died, it was about Janis Joplin. But he Not, sort of felt guilty that he'd... And then twenty years later, said it was he felt guilty, yeah. that, and that's why I, I suppose he says if I could apologise to the ghost, because um, it was even the ghost at the cause, time. Because she obviously it. didn't, he didn't betray a confidence to her. Yeah. Anyway, this is all us interesting. Speculating. Yes, um, we're, we're learning. <laughs> um, uh, great, good choice. But the Chelsea Hotel like... must have been one kick-ass place to visit because. 
Arthur C. Clarke wrote 2001 A Space Odyssey there. Um, Alan Ginsberg lived there. Dylan Thomas, Sid Vicious of the Sex Pistol. Um, his, his girlfriend Nancy was found dead there. Um, all sorts of things happened. Arthur yeah, wrote even, a, a story about it. They didn't even bother to uh, make the bed in that kind of establishment. <laughs> but that's that's interesting. Is it still there, the Chelsea Hotel? I think the building is. Whether it's used as a hotel, I'm not sure. Very interesting. Well, that was a touching, if also sleazy, number. Perfect <laughs> to get us into a slightly different mode. I picked it because it is. It's got a romance to it and a yeah. sexiness, and then it's. But it's also got what the first two songs um, had, which are an arresting lyric, which makes yes. you realise that that you know. Well, it's, it's not a double entendre, but it's an arrestingly um, sexual lyric. Yes, and it's a blunt and to the point, really, uh, as was the Marianne Faithful one, but in a in a very different way, uh, rather than couched in very unsubtle innuendos like the first one and like the one I'm going to play next, I believe. Um, if I'm not mistaken, that segues us into a song which is not really... Is it? Is it? Is it what I'm thinking of? Is it? Mr. It is. Ocean. It is. <laughs> or is it? Okay. So I, I decided to play the song because there's just a line in it. Well, first of all, it's a not very subtle, I think, what he's saying in the song about someone getting into his car. You know, there's a long history of, of sleazy sex songs that reference cars and activities in the back of cars. So I think we know what he means. But there's also a particular line in it which cracks me up because it just reminds me of... Um, Something which I'll tell you about afterwards when I heard this song as a kid. And and I played it, just thought, should I play this one? And I listened to it and I was like, oh, yeah, it's just so exuberantly fantastic as a pop song as well. So let's have it. I love the literal 80s car noise. Yeah, man. Bit of heavy breathing, always a winner. is a giveaway because if you're inviting a lady to drive with you you don't put her in the back seat <laughs> put her in the passenger seat so far this is not sleazy to me this is lovely and innocent it's brilliant but wait till you hear just keep listening <laughs> 
still tame. Do you not know the song? I do know the song very well. I haven't heard a bad lyric though yet. Apart from Touch There's My no, Bumper. There's no bad lyrics. It's a great song. But it's also a, basically a sleazy sex song. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of different varieties within this um, genre. But um, that line, that, that was a line, just, it just makes me laugh because it reminds me of being in a car, not in a sexual way at all, in fact, with my mother, when this song came on the radio. And I remember that line came on and it was like, touch my bumper, bumper. And my mum was like, oh, <laughs> talking about it. She was obviously really flustered and uncomfortable. Um, but you know, there, there is a, a whole category of 80s pop songs that have to sound innocent enough. But to the trained ear, they're clearly really fucking sleazy. So that, I wanted to play that, yeah. Uh, this obviously evokes Grace Jones's uh, Pull Up To My Bumper yes. Baby. Also was on my long list, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, who would have thought two Billy Joel songs within our... Um, Billy Ocean, Ocean. Billy Ocean, I beg your pardon. Um, within our first 50 episodes. <laughs> the first 50. <laughs> uh, think how many and more no we And no Billy play. Joel songs, and mm. for that I'm quite grateful. <laughs> Could we surely have got time for Uptown Girl somewhere. Um, that's probably a bit sleazy in its way. But yeah, I, I know that's this Billy Ocean number is... <laughs> After hearing um, about the Marianne Faithful number and the butt churning and all of that, of course, Billy Ocean doesn't sound very sleazy. But he is basically trying to get on with a woman in the backseat of his car and telling her to touch his bumper. I think that's pretty sleazy. Yeah, but in a good he, way. He would have got much <laughs> success going, Hey, you! <laughs> touch my bumper! <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> He was definitely successful uh, as a recording artist. Yeah, uh, a Brit, isn't he, Billy Ocean? I always forget that because that song sounds like it came straight out of, you know, Licence yeah. to Drive featuring Corey Haim or whatever. Um, there we are, that's my... Good choice, good choice. I'm going to uh, lead us to the next sort of version of this genre, which is where it's sonically a bit sexy. Mm. I don't think the lyric on this song is particularly... Um, sexual, it doesn't have any double entendres, but the music video was very hot and there's something a bit sexy about the sound of the song. Um, tell me if you remember the video for this song. Uh, I remember Chris Rea. <laughs> it's not... Um, I, I can't. If this makes you think of Chris Rear. Sorry, Chris Isaac. Yeah. <laughs> I was say, obviously, well, I mean, your, your visual memory is different <laughs> to mine. Um, I think probably I, Chris Isaac is slightly sexier than Chris Rear, but still not quite what floats my boat. No, I don't remember the video. I don't remember the video. Um, it's Helena Christensen shot in black and white on a beach in a kind of Calvin uh, Klein style. Chris Rea's not in it. He's not getting on with no. Helena Christensen. No. Okay. These things happen. I mean, Serge Chris Rea is romping with Mark Knopfler, um, singing Auberge. <laughs> I think, yeah, maybe I didn't even have a TV at this point or something. It's 
definitely sultry kind of sexy rather than sleazy. It's um yeah. Another uh, podcast I listen to, um, one of the one of the people has a kind of sleazy, sexy. Um, um, no, not sleazy. A sexy sleep mix. That he had yeah. what he refers to when he when he was. A, a student, and it was it was basically a compilation that was designed to help you through the act of lovemaking and then on through to sleep. Um, <laughs> Massive chat. <laughs> and this, I think, would be a contender to be on that kind of mixtape. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? Because there's subtle differences. Like, uh, what are we going to call? Are you going to call the episode "Sleazy Sex Songs"? I don't know. What do you think we should call it? Because if we just call it sleep, and we don't want to evoke, you know, images of, you know, I don't know, Boris Johnson getting someone to pay for his new sofa, you know, or Neil, <laughs> Neil and Christine Hamilton or something. Like a sleaze, on a, a sleaze alone doesn't evoke the right things, but sexy alone would result in different choices, certainly from those I've made. But yeah, I think this is on that fine line what about, between... What about the word filth? Filth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll leave it to your discretion. Good choice, though. Do you remember yeah. this song? It was this oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. only hit. I think we're talking 1989. And he's kind of like, he's like a country singer. Um, Chris Isaac. Yeah. He had a song called Baby Did a Bad Bad Thing. Baby Did a Bad Bad Thing. Is that him? What What's a that? Version of, a version of it is. I'm not sure if he's the original singer of it. Um, what was that theme music for? Um, um, he did a, did a lot of music for David Lynch. That's it. I, I knew there was another one. Um, not David did a bad, bad thing. Blue Hotel. That was a big hit. Yes. Blue Hotel. It's kind of exactly the same. But that sounds almost more sleazy. <laughs> yeah, he's, he was a kind of 90s Roy Orbison character. Um, yeah. And no, but it's, it's the reason I brought this up is because much like we were talking about. Um, Teenage Loins in the 90s episode uh, in referencing Gwen Stefani and No Doubt. Um, this video was, was quite enlightening um, for a young man. Um, right, well, I know what my next um, YouTube encounter will involve. I'm glad, by the way, that it doesn't have Chris Rear in it looking at some of his latest. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, you don't. You don't want to see uh, Chris Rear um, rearing up on your television <laughs> screen uh, on, on a motorcycle, Hawaiian beach, or Indian on a motorcycle, um, singing Blue Hotel. Okay. Good. So that's Chris right, Isaac. Wicked. So game. actually, what I asked you, um, I'm not sure if you fully took this in, but in relation to my next song. I asked you I've got if you could. Yeah. Okay, so that's quite a nice segue because I'm asking you to play um, <clears throat> an excerpt of a song by a very well-known sex artist uh, before playing another one. I mean, this is a real dilemma. What song to play by this artist? There are so many that fit the bill. Uh, I want you to play an excerpt of this first song because when I first really got into Prince, in case no one had guessed who we're talking about, 
um, I it was around this time, 1991, Diamonds and Pearls, and I knew all of the songs intimately. And this is a a song. Um, basically, Prince has two modes. I think he has like vulnerable, sensitive, horny, and then he has like exuberant, joyful, horny. Uh, and I think that that covers it. And um, this is the first one, which follows on quite nicely from the Chris Isaac, actually. Uh, it's not worth playing the whole song, but there's just a passage in it which has some of the best um, lines, I think. That so this, well, I'll take it from the top, shall I? No, no, this is insatiable. Is but it? Do I take it from the top of this song or do I play it halfway? Through? No, no, no. Can you, sorry, can you take it from about one minute? Uh, because otherwise we'll just have, you can't ever have too much Prince, can you? But, um, my intention was to take it from about one one minute forty five or something, just to play take a little clip of it. Yeah. <laughs> To listen. It's, a, it's quite a long song and it goes on in this vein of him um, singing to Martha uh, and repeatedly, he's almost like a politician he's like, yes Martha, uh, that's a good point and, and then he just talks about how insatiable he is for Martha but it's that kind of like sensitive, loving prince but um, <laughs> I just played that as a prelude to a song by the exuberant horny prince which I've never really listened to this next song. It's from earlier in his, it's from his second album, Controversy, I think. And um, so it's from like 10 years earlier or more. But um, I was aware of it. And after listening to my long list of like 16 Prince Sex songs or whatever, uh, I thought we just have to have this one on there. It's direct. Take it 
It's <laughs> <laughs> so much like a kids TV theme tune, I'm not sure. How can you like have a song that sounds like something from a fairground? <laughs> Just like Jack <laughs> It's amazing. There you have it. Um, <laughs> that is Jack You Off. But it's wonderfully like pastiche of sort of American country music, and oh yeah, and it's also just it sounds like a kids, a kids TV show. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, at what point he thought, I know, let's do this. Oh, this this, <laughs> this is going on the album. <laughs> Me playing something that yeah sounds like. Um, Yes, some like plastic toy made in Taiwan that you buy and you press a button on it and it makes some music and then I'm going to sing about jacking you off in the back of the cinema and put it on my sophomore album. Yeah, I mean, that's that's Prince. It's brilliant. I mean, as I say, Diamonds and Pearls is the album where I got into him and there's ample material there in Get Off and Cream and all those stuff. But I just thought, you know, you don't get a more direct statement of Prince's sleeves than jacking someone off in the back of the cinema. Yeah, Pr Prince could have populated this whole episode, I think. Um, and maybe should in the future, yeah. Strawberry Beret and Little Red Corvette would have been choices yeah. I would have made, both sleazy. Yeah, also Head is another one, and Come also, <laughs> other <laughs> classic. Um, yeah, but I mean, that was a difficult decision, but I just went for it. What do you think about Prince? Because... Um, we haven't really discussed them, and he sort of deserves discussion. I'm I'm not a hugely knowledgeable person about his canon of work. I know he's he's like a virtuoso music, musician, um, venerated, yeah, um, and I, a horny devil, a horny pony. I mean, I am a big fan, but I don't not to the point where I know all of his back catalogue. And I just you know I got into him in Diamond and Pearls, and the one after that, the one that was the symbol album, and then he started to go AWOL had all his issues with the music industry and made some a whole range of albums, some of which were quite ropey. But then I saw him when he came to London. I went to see him with Jim at the O2 Centre and it was phenomenal. I hadn't, everyone always says he's a great guitarist, but I just hadn't really realised until I saw him live. Like how? I didn't realise you'd seen him. Amazing. Yeah, with Jim I saw. Oh, no, no. No, with Jim's sister. I think Jim couldn't go and I got his ticket or something. Anyway, um, yeah, he, he's amazing. And I don't, it's when you realise all of the songs that are by Prince as well. Yeah, that he wrote and like you know Manic Monday, nothing compares to you, but loads of other stuff. You realise, okay, you kind of see why people see this guy as a genius because he can write such a range of pop songs as well as. Do you, being th do you think he basically anything about sex he kept for himself, and then any other song he gave to other people? Yeah, so if like... I'm just writing about days of the week, you <laughs> give it to the Bangles. Yeah, not sexy enough. Yeah, despite uh, the middle eight of that song, which is a little bit saucy, um, bit of Prince in there. So I'm going to take us deep into the 90s, 1991. Um, I only wanted to play this because it's sort of like, this is where it starts touching um, 
our formative teenage years. And this band was bizarrely massive. Um, and part of the kind of trip hop scene. Uh, it's Glory Box by Portishead. So silly. So, um, takes me back. And of course, there's the tricky song with the same. Is it Isaac Hayes, the sample? Yeah, I've actually got the Isaac Hayes sample, which I'll play in a bit. But um, I don't know if you can call it a sample because when I first met you, you'd been in a band with Maya and you had a song that, that had that same sort of descending pattern. I don't know if it's possible to kind of um, copyright that dum, 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 dum. No, but um, isn't it literally a sample? I mean, it's not just the chord pattern, it's the, the sound, the, is it? It is, I've got it, it? I've got it. Because um, the one on the Tricky song, it sounds exactly the same, and I used to think it was a sample of the Porter's Head, but no, they both independently... Um, yeah. Ike's Rap 2, I'll play it now. Um, and it's the same drum beat, Love. same tempo. It's a pretty sleazy noise. I know you can hear me. See, we've known each other a long time. I 
Some serious reverb I guess there, right? Right now you've got the last laugh. I know I abused you. Yeah, same strings oh, as well. Different strings, yeah. And I used you selfishly. I think um, Isaac Hayes' reputation got um, got tarnished somewhat by South Park, where he, he was the voice of the chef. Uh, neither of us were big South Park people, but it was a phenomenon in the late oh, yeah. 90s, wasn't it? Oh yeah, well, I definitely had South Park moments, although, you know, not obsessively. Definitely didn't watch all of it or anything. Um, just a quick fact check, it wasn't 91, it was 95. The band formed in 91. Um, Glory Box was released as a single in January 95. Um, and it does sample Isaac Hayes' Ike's Rap 2. So I've heard that a Glory Box is a box in which a young woman stores clothes and things, maybe jewellery. Is that what she's talking about or is she singing about something else? The line, I just want to be a woman, make me feel, give me a reason to be a woman, is the, is the, is the line, along with the atmospherics of the song, that makes me think it's not about a box that stores clothes. But maybe she wants to wear those clothes to feel like a woman. Potentially, but that's not how <laughs> I read it. Um, you pervert. <laughs> um, it's all in the eye of, yeah. or the ear of the beholder. Yes, it's definitely a sexy number, whether or not um, Beth she's. Gibbons. Yeah. Did you? Did you? Um, I mean, we have toyed with the idea of doing a, a Bristol scene, West Country scene, trip hop um, flavored episode. Did you ever get into that kind of music? I did. Yeah. I mean, it was it was unavoidable. I mean, uh, were tricky. Porter's head. Uh, yeah. Massive attack. Massive attack. Very much associated. We we both know someone who told us um, in <laughs> no uncertain terms that she only had sexual intercourse to massive attack. So clearly, I mean, I'm surprised that Bristol's not, you know, more overpopulated with all of the shagging that must have been going on when they were all listening to this stuff. But um, yeah, uh, uh, probably Massive Attack more than any of the other ones, actually. I, I was quite into Massive Attack, but then they were great, and they were really massive at the time. Mm. Portishead sort of veered off, didn't they? But then Beth Gibbons did some solo stuff that was actually quite good. Um, but we could indeed get our Bristolian uh, ex-band members and do an episode sometime, perhaps. Yeah, when you, when you think of them all together, you do realise it was a sound of that time and that area. Very similar. Um Oh, totally. It was, yeah, trip-hop is what it was. And um, there was something quite sexy about the whole sound. It was all a bit like, come hither. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like that song epitomises it. The reason I played it is because it's obviously designed to be a bit groovy, slow, sexy, but there is something nice about hearing a woman sort of say something overtly sexual because you get so much male-dominated mm. domi- sexual... Um, innuendo and, and, and sexualized lyrics. It's just quite nice to have that kind of open. Indeed. Um, I want it. Come here. Don't worry. Me. We're going to have some more of that. My <laughs> f- women, female choices are not consigned to the ill-treated Marianne Faithful. Yeah, it's good to have a, yeah, a sleazy woman song. 
Um, but before we get to that, I think I've got a, another man now, haven't I? Hmm. Now, this is, this is not someone who I foresaw being on my list of CZ Sex songs, although actually now I think about it, he's got loads of them, or well, certainly quite a few. But um, uh, I came across this song, not literally. And, <laughs> Ooh, and, yes, thank you. Um, and I thought, wow, I forgot about that song. And it's actually a great song. It's from 1987, so we're going back a bit in time here. And at the time... It was pretty scandalous, and Radio 1 wouldn't play it. And I'll never forget watching the Top of the Pops. I remember watching Top of the Pops, where they did play it, or maybe he was on there and he sang it, and they it said, I want your... So they would talk about... I remember Bruno what's, Bruno Brooks or whatever doing the countdown, going, at number three, George Michael with I want your... And it was literally that kind of stuff going on. Um, but this song is, is, is a pretty openly about sex uh it's also about love so this is one that kind of explicitly links the two and i think it's quite interesting at this particular juncture in george michael's career i think it's like 1987 or something so it's just actually i think it's the first single he released after so it's wow. minutes what are we talking about playing here the i mean actually the, the end is really quite good but i don't think we should go that far we'll probably play about four minutes of it but yeah bearing in mind it's his first single after squeaky clean wham So this is George Michael singing in this bridge. Just up an octave.
So I don't really understand the structure of this song because apparently it was originally in three parts or something, but there's two parts to it on this version you get on Spotify. But um, yeah, I think it's quite an interesting one because it's obviously, it was 1987, so to have a song where someone was saying, I want your sex was, was then even still quite radical, but it's not full of like, some of the words and lyrics we've heard from some of the other songs, right? It's, um, it's quite tame, actually. Just yeah, it's, it's quite cute, though. Sex is fun, sex is sex natural. Is sex is like... <laughs> so, and apparently he got a lot of stick for it because um, people were like, there's an AIDS epidemic, you shouldn't be encouraging casual sex. There's probably a lot of weird... Because this is like 10 years before he came out as gay. But obviously, quite a lot of people knew he was gay. And I've heard George Michael was sleeping with everyone at this point, like men for a minute. I'm sure he was getting plenty of it. Um, but uh, there was this whole thing about like him him promoting casual sex, and that's why they banned it. But actually, it quite explicitly talks about monogamy in the song. You it said it's nothing to do with it. done one on one. One on one. Um, so it's quite an interesting moment, I think, in um, Britain's ability to deal with sexuality in music. But it is also. Um, a quite interesting and probably calculated tactic in how you go from being in a boy band to being a, a credible solo artist by, yes. by pushing the boundaries and doing something that you know is going to get attention um, and yeah. press good and bad press which is always good press I know and the more I think about George Michael the more kind of respect I have for him as a pop star and obviously he's got an amazing voice and yeah I mean to do that he was still like really young and have that as the first single. He, he knew exactly what he was doing. Um, and it was off the album Faith, which was obviously a massive hit. We so, should also uh, yeah. um, give him some kudos for a later sleazy song, Fast Love, yeah. which I think is brilliant. Um, and that is very much about like being gay and wanting a bit of quick action. All my friends having babies, uh, but I just want to have some fun. Yeah, it was still years before he came out, and it, that had all the supermodels in the video as well, didn't it? But um, was it? I didn't realise. Yeah, he didn't. I think he came out because the outside he must have come out quite late. He did. He didn't. But and, and I think he's always just said he didn't think it was relevant, and you know, he, he didn't deny it. But uh, you know, obviously these days people wouldn't bother to probably hide it for a decade. But. Um, but yeah, Fast Love is so obviously a sleazy song. I almost thought it was too obvious, and I thought I'd play that one because it's a bit more curious. And it's mm. kind of it's kind of not sleazy, even though it's you know very explicitly about sex. Um, Good choice. Yeah. And then at the end, we won't get to the end because it's like nine minutes long, and we've probably been talking over it. But it almost gets quite. Um, you suddenly get these new chord changes coming. It starts to feel much more emotive and it starts to feel more like a love song. It's quite interesting. So I told you I was going to have four songs, but I'm not going to. I'm going to have five. I'm going to shove one more in between your um, yeah. this and your last choice. Um, and it's mainly because it reminds me of... I was working in a dire job when this came out. Um, so I think the year is 2014. And the band is called Fat White Family. Um, and just a colleague played me the music video of this. Um, and it's just a dirty, nasty, innuendo-led, <laughs> filth rock song. So it comes full circle. That is, that is um, yeah, it's not intelligent. And I think, you know, even the music video has probably the bassist mooning and showing his ass in it. 
and there's nothing clever about the lyric but uh, I think sonically it's quite fun and it just reminds me of a time when I was sort of a bit down and this and this uh lightened the mood because it's it's hilarious it's called touch the leather See what I mean? It's like swamp rock, dirty, sonically sleaze. That is that is the sound of Boris Johnson shooting a new sofa. That is. <laughs> uh, we don't need to go. It, it's it's the same for the rest of the song. So why don't you queue up? Um, oh, well, let's just give a little bit of a, a shout out to Fat White Family, Fat yeah. White Family, Southampton, um, and Cookstown raised band. Uh, they were in a well. Some of them were in a band called the Metros, which feels oh, like around 2007. Um, this was their debut single, 2014. <laughs> um, uh, I think they been they might have been signed by um, James Endicott in a. Really? Yeah. yeah, interesting. It didn't make it onto their debut singles podcast, but it's you know, <laughs> it, it is quite something. Um, no, good, good choice. The depths of sleaze, wallowing in the sleaze. Why don't um, take us to our last choice then? Okay, so our last choice is a perky little number by one Missy Elliott, and um, I, I love the song. It reminds me of, um, I don't know, the late nineties, I guess. I remember, I think around about the time I went on a Euro, Euro. What do you call it? Uh, Oh my God! What do you call it? Yeah, that's the one. Interrailing with uh, Libby and Owen, some friends of ours, and we met you and Andy um, somewhere in Italy. And uh, this song was very much around at the time, among among many others, I think. Or it was in that period, and we would sing it every now and then. But I listened to it for the first time in years, a short while back, and was kind of struck by the saucy lyrics and the way she just kind of goes for it. So this is, yeah, uh, I think one could debate the feminist credentials of of, of this number, but um, it's Missy just being filthy in her own right. Um, so, yeah, I thought it'd be a good one to end on. Let's see. 
ya, like I told ya. Give me all your numbers so I can phone ya. Your girl acting stink, then call me over. Not on the bed, lay me on your sofa. Call before you come, I need to shave my chocha. You do or you don't, or you will or won't ya. Go downtown and eat it like a vulture. See my hips and my tips, so cha. See my ass and my lips, don't ya. Lost a few pounds in my whips for ya. This the kind of beat that go ba ta ta. Ba ta 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 ta. Sex me so good, I say blah blah blah. Work it, I need a glass of water. Boy, oh boy, it's good to know ya. Is it worth it? Let me work it. I put my thing down, flip it and reverse it. It's your primitive is why I need it. It's your primitive is why I need it. If you got a big, let me search it. To find out how hard I gotta work it. It's your primitive is why I need it. It's your primitive is why I need it. If you a fly gal, get your nails done, get a pedicure, get your hair did. Boy, lift it up, let's make a toaster. Let's get drunk, this gon' bring us closer. Don't I look like a Holly Berry poster? See the Belvedere playing tricks on ya. Girlfriend wanna be like me, never. You won't find a bitch that's even better. I make it hot as Las Vegas weather. Listen up close while I take it backwards. Okay, begins the gal listen me with you. I'm not a prostitute, but I can give you what you want. I love your brains and your mouth full of phones. Love the way my ass go, ba boom ba boom boom. Keep your eyes on my ba boom ba. Boom, boom. You think you can handle this? Cause don't, cause don't, don't. Take my thumb off and my ass go boom. Cut the lights on so you see what I can do. Is it worth it? Let me work it. I put my thing down, flip it and reverse it. It's your primitive, it's why I need It's your primitive, it's why I need So, there's obviously been a like a big discussion about hidden messages in the song with the bit played backwards. I think it is just. Um, put my thing down, flip it and reverse it backwards. But there's another backwards line in there, isn't there? Earlier on. Yeah, there's the one, listen up close while I take you backwards. Scrawled cap TX tapped odd equilibrium. Yeah. Is that the same it's thing watch, just played backwards? Watch the way Missy like to take it backwards. Okay. It's, yeah, I've got the lyrics here. Um, and they're actually... Pretty filthy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they are pretty filthy, but uh, it, I, it sounds like gibberish, but it is a lyric just played backwards because uh, I think doing things backwards might be thematic as part of this song. So, yeah. Well, sorry, what did you just say? <laughs> I was just reading something that I was going to tell you. Can you uh, repeat what you just said? <laughs> um, I said, I think... The bit that sounds like gibberish is a word deliberately played backwards because I think doing things backwards might be thematically relevant. Oh, I in this see. Song. That's what you said. Uh, what a thing for me not to hear. I think you're right. So that's good, and isn't that sleazy? Um, uh, what I was what I was reading at the time that I was about to tell you was that Missy uh, confessed a couple of years back that it was a mistake, and the engineer accidentally. Uh, flipped some of her vocals backwards and that's where they got the idea. Uh, but then perhaps they wrapped that into the meaning and lyrics of the song as well. Um, yeah. Um, but then, so are you saying that I put my thing down, flip it and reverse it was a mistake? or because It seems unlikely, doesn't it? It seems improbable, but that's what Missy, maybe, I don't know. Perhaps... The engineer happened to hit something and it went backwards and I was like, that's kind of crazy because it went backward on the beat. So oh, then she, she liked it and then she decided to write a lyric around it. 
Yeah. Got gotcha. you. Okay, that's it's all falling me. into place. It's all falling like into place. Yeah. Just Mrs. like Thang. ass. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. Okay. I I I think that's lovely and reminiscent of the time. Um, yeah. And char- charming. <laughs> charming little number. Um, so there we are. I hope everyone's learned a lot from this. Um, how to milk? Uh, how to make butter? Uh, yeah. How to make a hit. Um, how to enter a car, where to stay in New York. Um, Whether to, yeah, what, what to do with leather to roll items. around on a beach in Hawaii, what clothing to wear, where yeah. you should sit in the cinema. Um, What's going to happen if you betray Marianne Faithful? Where do you keep your nice clothes that you want to wear? What's going to um, happen to you if you sit anywhere next to Prince? <laughs> <laughs> Literally anywhere. It could be a restaurant, a cinema, anything. Now, uh, we are clearly not the sexual predators or um, uh, sexual or sexually hungry people that we've played in this episode. But we did uh, we did have a little saucy <laughs> number or two, didn't we? Um, yeah, let's not get too personal here, but <laughs> I'm just going to tell you about our... Sex life, sex drive. No, he, as a band, we weren't that saucy and sleazy. But we did have a couple of quite sleazy numbers, particularly in the Cling, didn't we? Our first band, a little, a little um, suggestive. Yeah, I think there's something about being in your your uh, early twenties and just throwing out a couple of lyrics and go, "Ooh, that's a bit suggestive," um, and you might want to play with that. And, and it's a bit like going back to the Stones. I can't get no satisfaction. I think yeah. was, the, was about the level we wanted to push it at. Where it's suggestive of sex, but it's not quite at the level of some of the ones we've played tonight. No, uh, no. Um, so this is a number which is off our second demo or something. Yeah, it's called which, "Give Yourself um, Away." Um, it's got a bit of fantasy in it. Yeah, although not, you know, that that possibly sounds a bit more saucy than it really is, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. Should we just listen to it and see what we have to say? You're, after getting, like... you're getting embarrassed, aren't you, Tom? Well, also, I just haven't heard it for a long time. I can't really remember what the words are. Here we go. This is Give Yourself Away. Come. But the air's so heavy in here, we can't keep it all away. 
having sex really isn't it it's it's do you think a... it's more or less sexy than jack you off um <laughs> it's a tough contest but if that was if that song was a sexual act it would be very much the opposite end of the spectrum from the uh the porter's head sort of <laughs> slow and sultry and more just kind of like <laughs> um, no, it's not a sexual act it's it's uh, a rock song with innuendo um, yes, um, more innuendo than, than Jack you off. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, it, yeah, um, we a one night stand was also another sleazy number we had, wasn't it? Which I think we've already played. We were playing bounces, is what we were calling them, and mm. I think a big shout out must go to that bass line in the in the middle eight. That doom 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 yeah. Yeah. And also to the um, to the drumming, you know, to the bouncy drumming in all of those bounces. Um, so um, maybe that was um, an, an ode to kind of um, a love formed on a bumpy road with a with a in a rickety old rickshaw, um, and yes, the sort of the sort of up and down vibrations you might have felt um, going. On a vehicle with no suspension, that kind of yeah, exactly. So it's less kind of Billy Ocean's Porsche and more <laughs> somebody getting it on with a chipmunk in a rickshaw. Yes, um, thank you for going with me on that point because halfway through the sentence, you looked at me as if I was mad. No, I didn't quite know. I, I wasn't sure if you were alluding to something that I wasn't getting, but then I think I got it, and it's <laughs> uh, no suspension. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah. Well, we've covered a range of forms of sleazy sex songs. Yeah, I don't think I don't think um, listeners in well, we need to consult the map now because it's been a while since we last did so. But I don't think wherever our listeners are, um, I, th- I, th- I think they realise they're not listening to Barry White and. Um, who who would be another kind of... Did think about Barry White. Yeah, Marvin um, Gaye. It's not like a conversation oh, yeah. between Barry White and Marvin Gaye here. It's, um, you know... No. Um, you you and me. And, and this is you know, a difficult subject matter for me to take because I'm, I'm a little bit more 
cerebral and not quite a uh, uh, a lyricist who got the world of love making. I, 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 you know, look, looking back at my choices, I, I'm not sure if sonically uh, I find music to be sort of something. Music inspires me to be passionate, to be full of feelings, but not not sexy. Okay, interesting. I guess I've never really thought about it. Yeah, I mean, there are more not sexy songs than sexy ones in the world. It's not, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not, um, it's not something until we did this podcast I thought very much about, like, oh, we ought to do one on sex and songs or sex and music. There is an affinity, but it's it's indirect, I think. It's through movement and dance and the lyrics. Whereas, yeah, when I think about what makes a great pop song, I don't, I don't equate it with great sex necessarily. Anyway, but we're, we're going off on a tangent here. But you reminded me of Marvin Gaye. What happened to Marvin Gaye? At least I thought we were going to have Marvin Gaye. Let's get it on. Yeah, yeah maybe too obvious. Um, sexual healing. Imagine if there was an anecdote that either of us could have told around "Let's get it on," but you know, I suppose that might be for another recollected podcast. Might be, it might be indeed. I think we should probably let our listeners go back to whatever they're doing in the places where they live. By the way, have you ever listened to the Horn Section podcast? Alex? Yeah, because they also talk about the map, but I think they have more listeners than us. <laughs> <laughs> I think they got that from us because I've never listened to the Horn Section. Almost certainly. Um, well, Alex? And your retinue, your entourage, Rachel Horn on Chris Evans's breakfast show, your brother Chip, who works for YouTube. Um, oh, wow. I know yeah, you're listening, getting ideas from us. <laughs> Don't steal the map. Until our next episode, say goodnight to the good listeners. Good night, everybody. <laughs>